if I were to ask you the question, are you deceived? I think most people, probably including myself, would say, well, of course not. I mean, maybe everybody else is deceived, but I'm not deceived. And I'm not sure why, you know, we we put a certain amount of absolute trust in our own abilities, in our own wisdom, in our own knowledge, our own perception, our own, uh, the way we can discern certain things. We sort of have a, a, a trust in ourselves in our own wisdom, and we say, well, no, I, I am not deceived. It's sort of like someone said, you know, what you don't know, you don't know that you don't know it. You don't wake up every morning and say, you know, there's something I don't know. There's got to be something I don't know. I wonder what it is. No, we sort of elude ourselves into thinking that we know at least everything that we should know and that we're not deceived. And I think we would say, well, yeah, probably the majority of the world is deceived, but not me. Now, a lot of people would say, well, I got my religion, therefore I cannot be, de- be deceived. Well, there's a problem there with religion. Most religions are closed systems. Now, what do I mean by closed systems? Well, it's sort of like an echo chamber. If you've ever been in a canyon and you, you, know, you, you say, hello, 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 you know, it's, it's the sound of your own voice coming back to you. Well, most churches are like an echo chamber. We go to church and we hear the sound of our own thoughts, concepts, theologies just coming back to us. The minister tells us everything that we already know. And that That's what I mean by an echo chamber. So we're really not questioning anything at all when we go to church. We go to church and we say, I have arrived. You know, the concept of, let's say, once saved, always saved. Okay, that means I have arrived. There's nothing more I need to think about. There's nothing more I need to do. Most religious people come to a fork in the road. The, the road to the right says the journey to knowing God or the journey into a relationship with God. The, at the fork of the road, the road to the left says, I have arrived. And that road leads to a cul-de-sac that just goes around in circles. And most of people choose the road to the left that says, I have arrived, and they never question anything about their beliefs, their religion from that day forward. But the only correct road to take is the journey to knowing God. A lot of us, you know, once we get to that point where we say, I have arrived, therefore I no longer need to think for myself. I mean, I, and you know, religious addiction is nothing more than coming to a point where you no longer think for yourself. I would be willing to say that most people that go to church are addicted to religion, at least from that perspective, that we go to church, many churches, people don't even bring their Bibles. And it's the idea that, okay, I no longer have to think for myself. Somebody else will do the thinking for me. That's what you call religious addiction. When we talk about the world being deceived, we're not just talking about basically what your Bible reveals, and I'll get to this in a second, is that there is somebody out there that has deceived the whole world. Now, I'll turn to that scripture in just a minute. But when I say the whole world, understand what I'm saying. When I say the whole world is under the grip of deception, I'm talking about our educational systems, our school, our colleges. I'm talking about our religious institutions, the 450,000 churches that dot the landscape, the 650,000 preachers that are preaching in those churches in America. I'm talking about the media is deceived, our entertainment, gross deception, 
our politics, again, gross deception, our advertising agencies that we that bombard us with every type of ad out there, they're deceived also. And even our medical institutions are deceived. So when I talk about, okay, we live in a world filled with deception, we have to understand what's going on here. Well, let's take a look at what's going on. Revelation 12 and verse 9, it says, And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world. So here's the bottom line. We live in a world filled with deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault. The reason you are deceived is because we live in a world filled with deception that covers every avenue, be it educational system, be it religious institution, be it media, entertainment, politics, advertising agencies, uh, medical institution. We live in a world filled with deception. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Consider the death of George Washington. Washington was an avid believer in bloodletting. Now, what is bloodletting? Well, that was the cure to a lot of sickness and diseases uh, back then, according to the theory. In fact, Washington had actually practiced this on some of his slaves and, and seemingly got a positive result. It's where you drain off some of your blood. I mean, that's what bloodletting is. Well, Washington had gotten an upper respiratory infection. He was sick. Within a about a 13-hour period, he had an incredible amount of blood that was drained all out of his body. Again, the same doctor came out, 20 more ounces of blood. Again, the same doctor came out. And all this is going on within a 13-hour period, by the way. Same doctor comes out, 40 ounces of blood. Then a different doctor comes out, and 32 more ounces of blood was drained off of Washington's body, or drained out of Washington's body. Now, this was the common practice back then, bloodletting. This is how you, you know, you think, well, how could anybody be so stupid? How This is barbaric, you know. Later in 1902, a doctor uh, wrote an article saying this, he says, I think it is my duty to point out what, what appears to be a most fatal error in their plan. That is the plan of these doctors draining off his blood. Old people cannot bear bleeding as well as the young. We see that they drew from a man in the 69th year of his age the enormous quantity of 82 ounces or above two quarts and a half of blood in about 13 hours. Very few of the most robust young men in the world could survive such a loss of blood. But the body of an aged person must be so exhausted and in all his power so weakened by it as to make his death speedily and inevitable. Now, again, we look at this practice back then. That was a common practice. And again, Washington believed in bloodletting. And we look at it and we say, well, that's barbaric. It's like changing the oil in your car. Well, it's not really like, it's like draining the oil in your car and you continue to drive your car. But again, he believed in bloodletting. Now, here's the interesting point. Besides Washington's bed was a Bible. 
And in that Bible, in Leviticus 17 and verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And again, in verse 14, it says, For it is the life of all flesh, speaking of the blood. The blood of it is for the life thereof. I admit it would have taken a lot of faith for Washington to pick up his Bible because he believed in bloodletting. It would have taken a lot of faith to read those scriptures and say, wait a minute, this is insanity. The life of the flesh is in the blood. We don't want to get rid of this stuff. Yeah, it would have taken a lot of faith to do that, to believe the word of God. But my point is, the word of God, the Bible that was beside his bed, if he would have picked it up and read those scriptures, it could have saved his life. Now, to me, this is absolutely incredible. What is my point in bringing bringing this up? My point is this. We live in a world filled with deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault, is it? But the Word of God cuts through the deception that we find in the world. Now, I have uh, some old pictures of ads that were ran back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s in magazines and newspapers. I, I sort of keep these clippings. And uh, I was looking back through them, and I thought, wow, boy, does this reveal the fact that we live in a world full of deception. Now, here's a a picture of a couple guys smoking cigarettes. It says, let's face it, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Go on, have a fag. Now, a fag is a British term for a cigarette. But this was the ads back in the 20s and 30s that was very common. You know, look, let's face it, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Go ahead and light up your cigarette. Then I have another ad. It says, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarettes. I think this is coming back, I would say, in the 60s, 50s and 60s here, this ad. It actually says that the doctor's choice is America's choice. Camel cigarettes. Yes, those old nasty camel cigarettes with no filters. It was the doctor's choice back then. Now, imagine how many people got hooked on smoking because this was the propaganda back then. This was the ads being ran. My, well, my doctor's choice is camels. Or it was your favorite, you know, your favorite movie star, your favorite singer or whatever, your favorite actor or whatever was smoking. It looked so cool, did it not? I mean, it really, you know, it looked so cool to be smoking. But how many people got hooked on cigarettes because of this? Well, a lot of people got hooked on cigarettes. I can guarantee you that. Here's another ad about smoking propaganda. It says, blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. Now, this is, shows a guy blowing smoke in a woman's face. Now, I don't know. This is insanity. I don't know how many women think this is a big turn on or what, but this was the propaganda. Propaganda, it isn't about truth. I mean, if you were to ask women, do you like guys blowing smoke in your face? You know, I would say 99.9% of them would say, no, I don't like that. That's disgusting. But here's a picture of a man blowing smoke in a woman's face. And uh, it says, blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. This was the propaganda. Propaganda is never about the truth. It's just repeating a phrase like, blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. And gullible, ignorant people will believe it. In other words, it will never cross their mind. This is this is the power of propaganda. It's not about truth. It's, it's, it's not about truth. It's, it's just about, okay, I read that, and I think, well, yeah, that's got to work. Uh, you never think, you, you don't think when it comes to propaganda. You, you just, you know, you believe it. Now, we all know that people who smoke take at least 10 years off their life expectancy. Okay, what does the Bible say about this subject? Well, it says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, it says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
which which you have and you're not your own you know your body you're, you're to treat your body in such a way that you don't destroy it through smoking through whatever it might be you don't want to destroy your body so yeah the bible speaks to this issue and it's not as though people didn't know any better i mean i look common sense tells me if i suck in smoke into my lungs it can't be good for me but my point is we live in a world filled with deception so if we are deceived it's not completely our fault but the word of god cuts through the deception now i have found that people can justify anything from the from the bible though you know people can justify smoking from the bible yes absolutely Genesis 24 and verse 64 says, And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, and she lighted off her camel. Yes, she saw Isaac and lit off her camel. Cigarette, that is. No, just kidding. But, you know, people can, you know, people do that. They do create, you know. I've seen rape justified from the Bible, incest justified, murder justified from the Bible. You know, they say, well, there it is in the Bible. Well, just because it's in the Bible, the Bible is almost like, uh, to some degree, when it talks about the history of mankind and all the stupid things that we've done, it's almost like a soap opera. You know, it, it's raunchy. It, it, it's full of man's sins and disgusting things that he's done. And yes, rape is in there, incest, murder, all kinds of sins are in the Bible. That doesn't mean God approves of it, though. You have to understand this. But people will try to justify anything from the Bible. Here's another ad says uh, it shows a couple a man and his wife and a child and it says they're happy because they eat lard you know lard lardy lardy you know they, they're eating lard or fat or whatever does the bible speak to this issue absolutely leviticus 3 and verse 17 it shall be a perpetual statue statue for your generation throughout all your dwellings that you eat neither fat nor blood notice that the bible says don't eat the fat don't eat the blood okay what's my point well, my point is we live in a world filled with deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault. Here's another ad. And this is old. This is probably back in the 30s. It says, eat, 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 and always stay thin, fat. The enemy that is shortening your life. Banished. How? With sanitized tapeworms. Yes, sanitized tapeworms. Also, it says in the ad, no diet, no exercise. You know, I mean, this again, this is the type of propaganda here. The Bible speaks to the issue of gluttony, eating too much, laziness. You know, if you're sitting on your butt and you're not moving, I don't care how much, how many tapeworms, you know, you, just kidding. But, uh, but my point is, this was the ad back then. This was the propaganda back then. This was the deception back then. Eat, 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 and always stay thin. How do we do this? By eating sanitized tapeworms. Since they're jar-packed, by the way. They're packed in a jar. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this was the deception back then. We live in a world full of deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault. Does the Bible speak to this issue? Absolutely. Leviticus 11, verse 42. Whatsoever goes upon the belly, all creeping things that creep upon the earth, them you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. And it goes on to say in verse 43 that you should not be defiled by these things. Now listen, if you've got a belly full of tapeworms, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to be physically defiled. It's going to kill you, probably. But again, these were the ads back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. 
And you know, it's just it's just it's just a fact of life that we live in a world full of deception. Let's pick on the medical and pharmaceutical ins- institutions here. I have a little cartoon here that I love. It says um, it shows a woman at the pharmacist, and the pharmacist is saying this drug may cause dizziness, chest pain, diarrhea, loss of memory, blood clots, joint pain, and anal leakage. And the customer says, "Are these the side effects?" No, the pharmacist says, these are the main effects. The side effects is that it might lower your cholesterol. And how true it is. Do you, I mean, some of these ads on TV, you look at the side effects and you think, well, I'd be better off just staying sick. Does the Bible speak to the issue of personal health? Does it speak to the issue of personal health? Yes, it does. Exodus 15 and verse 26. And God said, if you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God and will do what is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. And there's a condition here about personal health, laws, commandments, and statutes. You know, I mean, look, you can't live your life any way you want to live and expect to be healthy. And, you know, a lot of churches, when it comes to laws... They have a false theology. that now, now, here we're dealing with religious deception, by the way. They have a theology that says the law has been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, been done away with. I'm free in Jesus. You know, you've heard that nonsense. Yeah, free, I, and, which means I can do whatever I want. I can live my life anyway. I don't have to worry about any type of laws, commandments, judgments, uh, ruling my life. I don't have to submit to the will of God. I can, I'm free in Jesus, but I'm still saved. Yes, you keep on believing that. Okay, all right, pharmaceutical roulette. I like this little cartoon. It shows a uh, revolver pistol. And they're putting in these pills, instead of bullets, they're putting pills, you know, prescription medicine into the revolver. And he's holding it up to his mouth, putting the the barrel in his mouth and pulling the trigger. It's called pharmaceutical roulette. <laughs> I used to have a woman that called me, and an elderly woman, and she, uh, she told me one time, she said, I'm on 18 different prescription medicine, medication. And she showed me, she gave me the list, and I couldn't even... I couldn't even pronounce these words, 18 different prescription medicine that her doctor had given her. And before her death, the doctors told her, your liver is destroyed. And the reason your liver is destroyed is because you've been taking all this prescription medicine. Now, that the, the, the same doctor that gave her the prescription medicine also told her you're dying because of all the prescription medicine we've been giving you. Now, I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess... From a Christian perspective, I guess I shouldn't be so hard on doctors. I mean, thank God for doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, all Christians would be dead because they're not trusting God for healing. I mean, they're really not. If you ask a Christian who's been diagnosed with something, well, what are you doing about it? You know, well, I've gone to my doctor, and uh, he's offered to cut out internal body parts and organs, and he's going to get rid of this, get rid of that, and uh, he's given me these handful of pills that will with all these side effects, and, and so that's what you're doing, you, you know. And they don't go to God. Now, what do I mean? Does the Bible speak to the issue of sickness? Yes. James 5 and verse 14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Yeah, that's what you do when you're sick. You go to the church, and you ask the church to anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. That's not the last thing you do. That's the first thing you do. 
But I'm saying most Christians don't do this. They they have faith in the medical institution, period. So my point is this. We live in a world filled with deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault, is it? But the Word of God cuts through all the deception that is in the world. Here's another cartoon that I like. It says, uh, here's the cancer institution. He's running across the beach saying, The sun will kill you. Avoid skin cancer and use more sunscreen. Then in another picture, it says, um, here's the sunscreen manufacturers, and the cancer institution is paying them off, saying, keep up the good work, buddy. You know, you know they actually say now that it is it's not the sun that causes cancer. It is the sunscreen. It's the chemicals that it place in the sunscreen that is causing the cancer. What Does the Bible speak to the issue, this issue? Well, yeah, it does. In Genesis 1 and verse 16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, including the sun. The sun is very good. It's not very bad. It doesn't say stay out of it. No, it's very good. In fact, there's something called the feminization of man that is going on in our society. One of the things is you know, the, the lack of, of vitamin D3, which is basically you get that from sunlight. But what they're saying is that men... Their testosterone levels are dropping and dropping and dropping through each generation that comes along. It's just getting lower and lower. And it's called the feminization of man. And it's a lot of contributing factors to this, uh, you know, lack of sunlight. Okay, you got an office job. You drive in your vehicle to work. You never get out in the sun. Okay, this is one of the things that, that produces testosterone in a man. In a man. There's other things that destroys, you know, a man's testosterone levels, uh, cooking in plastic, uh, beer, a lot of beer drinking. You know, it, it takes your, I think it takes your, uh, one beer, it takes your testosterone 24 hours to, to, to reach back to its normal, normal level just from drinking one beer. Now, I know some, a lot of men like to drink beer. And, and, you know, and men, you know, it's beer commercials, it's looked at as manly. Yeah, you want to be a man, drink beer. Well, actually, it's, it's, it's turning you into something less than a man. Uh, so a lot of things that contribute to this lowering of testosterone in our society, a lot of things contribute to that. Soy will destroy your testosterone levels. The feminization of man, it's, it's, I don't know, it may be a conspiracy going on to turn men into something less than men in our society. But anyway, I was talking about sunscreen there and the, how people view the sun as bad, evil, you know, wrong, oh, we've got to stay out of the sun, put on the sunscreen, whatever. Okay, religious deception. Here's another little commercial that I like. Uh, I forget where I found this at. It says, my daddy told me the truth. Santa Claus is a lie. Ask your parents about Santa and for the truth. Yeah, religious deception. Does the Bible speak to this issue of religious deception? Sure it does. Mark 7 and verse 9. And he said to them, Full well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your own traditions. Yeah, we, that's exactly what people do. We reject the commandments of God. We, we reject the annual holy days of God that are found in your Bible that are all about Jesus Christ. These are the feast of the Lord's. We reject that, that we may keep, that we substitute our own traditions for worshiping God. We come up with our own method for worshiping God. 
I'm not going to do what the Bible says. God has seven annual holy days he expects you to keep that are all about Jesus Christ and what God is doing and what God is doing through mankind and what the plan of salvation, seven annual holy days. And yet those holy days have been rejected and we have substituted our own pagan way of worshiping God. Very early in church history, this is a fact, the Sabbath was abandoned for Sunday keeping and Christmas and Easter became the two major holidays of our society. That is a fact of history. It's not a fact of theology. You won't find this in the Bible where the Sabbath was done away with or the holy days were done away with. You're not going to find that in the Bible, but it's a fact of history that the Sabbath was replaced with Sunday keeping and Christmas and Easter became the two major holidays of our society. So what's my point? Well, my point is this. We live in a world filled with deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault. But the Word of God cuts through the deception of the world. Climate change is another great deception here. used to be called global warming. You know, they eventually figured out there was no science behind global warming. And so they had to change it to climate change because there was no science. I mean, the the earth was not getting... Uh, warmer. It was actually getting cooler. And so they had to renege on that one and come up with something different. And, you know, anything can be called climate change. If it's raining, it's climate change. If it's snowing, oh, it's climate. If it's hot, if it's cold, if it's uh, wind blowing, oh, it's climate change. Uh, Back in the 60s, Time Magazine had an article entitled The Coming Ice Age. Yes, The Coming Ice Age. Not global warming, but The Coming Ice Age. But you see, Back then, they hadn't figured out how any way to make money off of it. Today, they have figured out how to make money off of this global warming and climate change. There are people getting an enormous salary for trying to prove something that doesn't exist. It's a cash cow for special interest groups, this global warming, climate change. That's all it is. You know, it is a fact of history, a fact of, of science that the sun spikes in temperatures, from time to time, you know, the climate, it gets warm, it gets cool, the earth, it gets warm, it gets cool. It's, it's just, it's, this has been going on for 6,000 years. The spike in temperatures and how the earth, you know, increases in heat and then drops in heat. And it's just, uh, you know, it's just the way God created it. Does the Bible speak to the issue of climate change? Yes, it does. After the flood, it says, neither again will I smite the earth anymore, any living thing as I have done. Genesis 8 and verse 22, while the earth remains, notice this, seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So there it is. While the earth remains, seed time, harvest, cold, heat, summer, winter, day and night will not cease. Again, the word of God cuts through all the deception that we find in the world. Now, there are two types of knowledge in the world. There's scientific knowledge, and then there's a knowledge of morality. As mankind continues, the scientific knowledge becomes greater and greater and greater. I mean, it really does. And, and, you know, the knowledge of technology. You know, you buy a computer, in three years, it's outdated. Cell phone, same, same, same is true about that. It, you know, in three years, you need a new one because it's outdated. Uh, science, uh, automobile industry. You look at vehicle, vehicles back in the 50s compared to vehicles today or ve- vehicles in the 80s compared to vehicles today. You know, the technology is just getting greater and greater and greater. You know, even what doctors can do today compared to what they could do back in the 1920s. It's incredible how knowledge increases. 
scientific knowledge increases more and more and more. And here's the thing, though. This scientific knowledge leads to, often leads to arrogance, cockiness, self-deceit, self-reliance, lack of humility. I mean, it really does. We get to the point, because we're so smart, we think we don't need God. Or, or we get to a point where we're smarter than God, you see. But then there's the knowledge. That, that's one kind of knowledge. Then there's the knowledge of morality. And this is what your Bible says about the knowledge of morality. It says in Hosea 4 and verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that you shall be no priest to me. Seeing you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. Now, that's a sad verse to think of God forgetting our children. We don't ever want that to happen. But I wonder, as we look at the morality of our society, if it's already happening God has forgotten our children because we have forgotten God. We have rejected God. So this is the knowledge of morality, morality, right versus wrong. And God says we're lacking in this area. You know, God never sent a prophet to Israel to tell them how good they were doing. It was always bad news. And you see, morality always degenerates. You want to keep that in mind. Morality always degenerate. Now, you know this is true. I mean, if you're a, if you've lived very long and you look at, let's say you're in your 60s and you look at yourself when you were in your teens and compare to teenagers today, you know morality gets worse and worse. All you got to do is just look back and it gets worse and worse. We always, morality always degenerates. Now, when morality de- degenerates, deception increases. And, of course, propaganda is what sells deception. Propaganda is about how do we sell this lie, this deception, to the general public. And the way you sell it is through propaganda. So we live in a world filled with deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault. Now, what can you do about it? What can you do about the fact that we're living in a world full of deception? All kinds of deception. You know, the religious institutions, the the medical institutions, the the media, the politics, uh, religious, you know, all of it. I mean, what can you do about de- deception? Well, if you're the one being deceived, there's very little you can do about it because you're not going to know it. You understand what I'm saying? You're not going to know that you are deceived. You're going to think you're right. Let us notice something about deception that the Bible speaks of here. In Romans 11, verse 32, it says, For God has concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. All the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, the first time this verse dawned on me what it was saying, it, it, you know, I I thought, you mean God can place people in a state of deception and unbelief? And have mercy on them later? Yeah, how does he do this? How does he do this? How can God place people in a state of deception and unbelief and have mercy on them later? Well, he does it like this, by placing you in a world full of deception. So if you are deceived, it's not completely your fault. God will have mercy on you at a later time when the rest of the dead will rise again. Now, if the majority of the world is deceived, and I haven't even talked about third world countries whose religion may be voodoo or whatever, I haven't even talked about third world countries who are living in poverty, who worship cows. I haven't even gone there. 
as far as talking about deception, I'm just talking about America right now. So if, if the whole world is deceived, when will they get their chance for salvation is the question. You know, if you're deceived by our educational system, our religious institutions, the media, entertainment, politics, advertising agencies, medical institution, you know, if you're deceived in all areas, let me tell you something, you're not really saved. Uh, deception is what keeps us from a real relationship with God, you see. Now, there's only one antidote for deception, and that is the Spirit of God, to receive the Spirit of God. And, and even in that area, in the area of religion, there's so much deception out there about how to receive the Spirit of God. You know, most people think they are either born with the Spirit of God, or they think because the Spirit of God is working with them that they have the Spirit of God. You know, now it is true that the Spirit of God can work with people and draw them, draw that person closer to God. That's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But that drawing leads you to a point to where you've got to make a decision, and that is to receive the Spirit of God. And there's a way to receive the Spirit of God. It involves repentance from sin, the breaking of God's law, the Ten Commandments. It involves accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It involves water baptism. It involves the laying on of hands for the receiving of the Spirit of God. There is a way to receive the Spirit of God. And that is the only antidote for deception. Without the Spirit of God, you are going to be deceived. You will not have the discernment. You will not have spiritual eyes, the eyes of God, to see and to cut through all the deception that is out there. You're just not going to have it. And so this is why receiving the Spirit of God is so critical in one's life. Now, I have a complete article and, and a lot of information about that subject on how to receive the Spirit of God. I'll be glad to send that to you free of charge. But it, it is the issue of the day, and that is how not to be deceived there's only one way, and that is if you have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. Having the Spirit of God, you will be able to discern the spirit of our age, which is influenced by a diabolical, satanic world of demons and satanic influence. But that's the only way you're going to be able to discern it, is if you have the Spirit of God. So, you know, it just, it's important to realize if you feel like God is working with you and he's drawing you closer to him, he's drawing you into a relationship with him, don't sit on your hands forever. That spirit leads us to a point of making a decision. And you either make that decision or you fall away. You, you eventually, if, if, you don't, if you keep sitting on your hands and doing nothing, you'll get to a point where you even lose that drawing of the Holy Spirit that is leading you to a point to make a decision. And that decision involves baptism, receiving the Spirit of God. It, it involves coming to that point where you receive the Spirit of God. Well, anyway, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. 
Learn the step-by-step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.